Now that we completed learning through the Sefer Chidusha Rabbeinu Chaim HaLevi from the first and greatest figure in Brisk, Rab Chaim Salavechik, so now my goal is to go through some of the Chidushim of other members of the family, including two of Rab Chaim's sons, Rab Moshe Salavechik and his youngest son, Rab Yitzchak Zev, the Brisker Rav, also known as Rab Velvel, as well as his oldest grandson, Rab Yosef Dov Salavechik. To give us a flavor for the style and the sort of Chidushim of some of the other major figures in Brisk, and their style is each a little different from Rab Chaim and from each other. So it will be interesting to see how this style develops a little bit, and each one adapts it to their own Chidushim. Now, my plan is not to go through the Briskerov's entire Sefer, Chidushim Aron Rizalevi Al HaRambam, because many of the pieces are very technical, and they would be very hard to put up on a recording or to listen to on a recording, and I don't want to cherry-pick some of the pieces. So I'm going to go through the first 25 or so pieces in Chidushim Aron Riz Halevi, which deal primarily with the Yamim Tovim. So they're concepts we're all familiar with and things that come up every year. And then we'll do a little bit more from the Briskerov, as well as go through a sefer called Kovetz Chidushe Torah from Reb Moshe Salavechik and Reb Yosheber Salavechik. So this will give us a little bit of a flavor for how some of Rab Chaim's sons and grandsons develop the Brisker method. Now, the Briskerov, even though he was the youngest of Rab Chaim's three sons, Rab Chaim also had a daughter, but the Brisker Rav was really Rab Chaim's successor in terms of the rabbinate in Brisk, as well as in the leadership and the development of the Brisker learning method. So even though Rab Moshe Salavechik, who was his older brother, was a great Gaon in his own right, and he had many important Chidushim, but the Brisker Rav really took over the Brisker method and defined it in the second generation, and his Sefer on the Rambam is also a classic. Now, it's not readily available, so you can't can't find it in the farm stores or certainly not online because there's a copyright and the family does not sell it through the farm stores, only privately. The Briskerov was a very private person and he did not want his safer mass marketed, so they only sell it from the house. So it's very hard to get copies of it, although it'll be interesting to see what happens when the copyright runs out, which should be coming up soon. But either way, it's harder to get copies of Chidushim Aron Rizalevi Al HaRambam right now. So as I go through the piece, I will try to be aware that people might not have the safer available to them. Now, the Briskerov, in addition to being a towering Talmud Chacham and a son and successor of Rab Chaim, also had a very tragic life. He lost his wife and four children in the Holocaust, and he had lost a daughter earlier. So he lost five children out of 12. Seven survived with him and went to Israel. But he had a very tragic life, and there was a certain sadness that enveloped the Briskerov. Rab Chaim had a very jolly, happy personality, but the Briskerov, to begin with, probably had a little bit of a different personality but then he lost and suffered so much in the Holocaust that it haunted him afterwards. There's an amazing eulogy for him by his nephew, Rabbi Yashaber Salavechik, where he talks about the solitariness and how the Briskerov was really his own unique type of person. Now, probably Rabbi Yashaber had his own view of the Briskerov, which might have been different than a lot of other people's, but either way, that was his perspective as a nephew and a great Talmud Chacham in his own right. So this is a very important figure, and his chidushim are immensely important and build on Rab Chaim's style while also adding in 
in his own new twist. Now, in addition to the Briskorov's importance in terms of his learning style, he also defines in many ways the cultural and social aspect of a modern Brisker, which has been very influential in the entire modern yeshiva community. So the Briskorov is justifiably revered as a historical figure in the modern yeshiva world. Now, when we learn through Chidushim Aran Rizhalevi, I'm going to be referring to him as Rabbi Velvel, not the Briskorov, because when we're learning the Sefer, we're not dealing with history or hero worship, but we're trying to understand how Reb Velvel made sense of the Rambam and whether we can understand what he's trying to say. So Reb Velvel seems to me the appropriate title, and that's our show of respect for this great figure. So before we start, I'll end with a prayer that Hashem should give us strength to be able to learn and understand this Sefer and all sorts of brisker Torah and the Torah more broadly, and to be able to spread all these incredible Sfarim further. We're going to be learning the first piece in Chidushe Maron, Riz HaLevi Al HaRambam, on Hilchus Talmud Torah. And in this piece, Reb Velvel develops a very important distinction between two different components of the mitzvah of honoring one's Rebbe. And he explains how that affects whether the Rebbe could choose to forgo his honor. The Rambam in Perakei Alech Yid Aleph writes, HaRava Muvak Shirotza Limchol Al Kvodo B'chol HaDvarim HaElu O Ba'echad Mehen L'chol Talmida V'Lechad Mehen HaRashus a Rebbe Muvak, one's primary Torah teacher, who chooses to forego their honor, to be mochel, to forgive their honor in all of the things that he just listed, or in one of them, to all of his students, or even to one of his students, he can choose to do so. So basically, the Rebbe Muvak has the choice whether to insist on being honored as the halacha requires, or whether to be mochel, and then the students do not have to honor him. Now, the question is, why does the Rambam say specifically a Rebbe Muvak. This halacha would seem to apply even to one's non-primary Torah teacher. So let's say someone had five Rabbeim, four of them were secondary, one of them was primary, meaning they studied most of their Torah from that person. So any of the Rabbeim would seem to be able to choose to forego their honor. So why does the Rambam say specifically the Rebbe Muvak can be Mochel? So the Kesef Mishnah explains that the Rambam is trying to say that even a Rebbe Muvak, of course the regular Rabbeim are able to be mochel their honor, but even a Rebbe Muvak is also able to be mochel his honor. So practically, according to the Kesef Mishnah's approach, any Rebbe can be mochel their honor, including a Rebbe Muvak. Now, Reb Velvel suggests another approach to explain the language of the Rambam, and he says that there are two components to the mitzvah of honoring one's Rebbe. One is the specific kavod and mora, the honor and awe that a student has to give to their Rebbe, and the Rambam articulates this at the beginning of chapter 5 of this chapter. Just as someone is obligated to honor and fear their father, so too they're obligated to honor and fear their Rebbe. Now the source for this obligation is a debate between the Rambam and Tosos. The Gemara in Babakama Dafmem Aleph quotes the Pasuk in the Torah, Es Hashem Elokecha Tira, you shall fear Hashem. Now the word S is inclusive, so it's coming to include another category, and the Gemara explains that it's including Talmidei Chachamim. So in addition to fearing Hashem, one should also fear Talmidei Chachamim. Now Tosvos explains that that specifically refers to a Rebbe Muvak, not just any Torah scholar, but specifically one's primary Rebbe they should fear. Now the Rambam, though, has a different source for this obligation. In Sefer HaMitzvos, Mitzvah Resh Tess, he writes that this obligation comes from the overall mitzvah of the Hadar Tepnei 
Mipnei Zaken. There's a mitzvah to honor elderly people, which the Gemara understands to refer to Torah scholars. So as part of that mitzvah, one is obligated to fear and honor their Rebbe Muvhak. And this is the approach of the Sifra in Parshas Kedoshim and the Tosefta in the third chapter of Megillah. It says, Ezehu Hidrush Amra Torah v'hadarta Pnei Zaken. What does the Torah mean to honor the elderly? Lo Omid b'mekomo, lo Medaber b'mekomo. Don't stand in his place, don't speak in his place, meaning all of the specific obligations of honoring a Rebbe Muvhak. So those sources follow in the Rambam's approach that v'hadarta Pnei Zaken specifically refers to the honor and awe that a student has to give their Rebbe Muvhak. Now, in addition to that component of the Hadarta Pnei Zaken, there's another component which is also included in the mitzvah of the Hadarta Pnei Zaken, which is the honor of any Talmud Chacham. As the Rambam himself writes at the beginning of chapter 6, Kol Talmud Chacham Mitzvah Lahadro, there's a mitzvah to honor every Talmud Chacham, even if he's not his Rebbe. Shenemar mi Pnei Seva Tokum Vahadarta Pnei Zaken, because the Torah says to honor a Zaken, and Zaken is Zeshikana Chachma. That refers to a Torah scholar. So here it's clear that the mitzvah of the Hadarta Pnei Zaken includes not only the specific forms of honor towards a Rebbe Muvak, but honoring any Torah scholar, even if they're not one's Rebbe. And that is specifically done through standing up in a way which shows them honor. That's how the Gemara in Kiddush and Daflam and Gimel and the Rambam in chapter 6 explains it, that the mitzvah of honoring regular Talmidei Chachamim, who are not one's Rebbe, is fulfilled through through standing up. So basically, according to the Rambam, the Pasuk of the Hadarta Pnei Zaken includes two separate obligations. One is Kavod and Mora, to honor and fear one's Rebbe Muvhak, and the other is Hidor, to respect any Talmud Chacham. And this is all explained in the Rambam's discussion in chapter 5 and chapter 6 of Hilchus Talmud Torah. Now, the Gemara in Kiddush and Lamed Gimel says, Ezehu Kima Sheyesh Ba Hidor. What is the way of standing up in order to respect? So it's when the person comes within four amos of where you're sitting. So if someone is sitting and a Talmud Chacham comes within four amos of them, they should stand up because that shows honor. Further than that does not show honor because it's not as clear that you're standing up for them. And now Abaya clarifies that this whole limitation, lo amran muvhak, muvhak milo enav. This all applies only to someone who's not a Rebbe muvhak. So there you only stand up when they come within four amos. But a Rebbe muvhak, one's obligated to stand up as soon as they can see them. So even if they're much further away, so long as they're within eyesight, the person has to stand up for their Rebbe muvhak. Now, the Ran explains that the difference here is a practical one. If someone stands up for a regular Talmud Chacham when they're far away, it's not evident that they're standing up in order to honor them. So it's not a show of honor. The only way to show honor is to wait for the person to come closer and then to stand up for them. As opposed to someone's Rebbe Muvhak with whom they have a special relationship. So there, even if the Rebbe Muvhak is far away, so long as they can see them by standing standing up, they're showing that they're honoring this person. So according to the Ran, the distinction here is practical, whether through standing up, the person is going to be honoring this Talmud Chacham. For a regular Talmud Chacham, that's only true if they're close to the person. For a Rebbe Muvhak, that's true even if they're further away.
But the language of the Rambam indicates that he understands this distinction differently. He understands that when it comes to Hidor, which is the obligation to a regular Talmud Chacham, that only applies when he's within four Amos. On the other hand, the mitzvah of Kavod and Mora to honor and fear, which applies to the Rebbe Muvhak, there there's no limitation of four Amos. It applies so long as the person can see them. So according to the Rambam, this is not a practical distinction, it's a halachic distinction that the two different elements of the mitzvah of the Hadar to Pnei Zaken have different demands. The mitzvah of Hidor requires standing up only within four Amos. The mitzvah of Kavod and Mora requires standing up even for a further distance. And the reason is because Kavod and Mora is based on the obligation to honor parents where there's also an obligation of both Kavod and Mora. So the specific details of Kavod and Mora towards the Rebbe Muvhak are derived from the details of Kavod and Mora to parents. And when it comes to parents, there is no exception until they're within four Amos. The Gemara in Kiddush and Lamed Gimel and the Rambam in Hilchus Mamrim chapter 6, when they discuss the obligation to stand up for parents, they say nothing about four Amos. Now when it comes to parents, there is no mitzvah of Hidur. The word Hidur is never used in regards to honoring parents. The words are kavod and mora. So from the test case of honoring parents, we see that standing up in a case of kavod and mora applies so long as the person can see them. So we now apply that to the Rebbe Muvhak, even though the obligation is derived from the Hadar to Pnei Zakein, but as we said, there's two elements. Hidor applies to every Talmud Chacham, but the Rebbe Muvhak has the specific obligation of Kavod and Mora, which is modeled on parents. So that's why the person has to stand up as soon as they see their Rebbe Muvhak in order to fulfill Kavod and Mora. Only the obligation of Hidor has the specific leniency that it only applies within four Amos. And Reb Velvel adds in the brackets that even according to Tosos' approach, which as we saw differs from the Rambam, but he's going to agree with this fundamental idea because Tosfo says, why do we need two different psukim that seem to say the same thing? Mipnei seva takum, to stand for the elderly, which is Talmidei Chachamim, and as Hashem Elokecha Tira, you should fear Hashem, which includes Talmidei Chachamim. So they both seem to be saying the same thing. Why the repetition? So Tosos explains, Mipnei seva takum applies to every Talmud Chacham, as Hashem Tira, the specific obligation to fear Talmud Chachamim applies only to a Rebbe Muvak. So even Tosos is making this distinction that a Rebbe Muvak has an additional layer of obligation of Kavod and Mora in addition to the regular obligation to honor any Talmud Chacham. So this is going to explain Abaya's distinction that when it comes to a regular Talmud Chacham where the obligation is Hidur, it only applies within four Amos, but such a does not apply to a Rebbe Muvhak where the mitzvah is Kavod and Mora. So that requires that the students stand up as soon as they see their Rebbe Muvhak. And Reb Velvel points out that the Rambam's language almost explicitly says this because in Hilchus Mamrim Perek Vav Halacha Gimel with regards to the mitzvah to honor parents the Rambam says One stands for their parents the way they stand for their Rebbe Muvhak. And this is a reference to standing for parents 
parents even when they're far away. As the Kesef Mishnah explains that the source for this halacha in the Rambam is the Gemara says that Rabbi Yosef when Rabbi Yosef would hear his mother's footsteps, so she was very far away, he would say, I have to stand up. So you see that when it comes to standing for parents, you don't wait until they come into four Amos. The person stands up as soon as they become aware of their presence. And the Rambam explicitly says that that's the same way that a person has to rise for their Rebbe Muvak. And the reason is because both of these obligations are rooted in Kavod and Mora. So that explains why Abaya said that rising for a Rebbe Muvak applies as soon as he sees them. So the Rambam seems to be alluding to this whole approach very strongly. Now, there's another place where the Rambam's language seems to indicate this. The Gemara discusses whether one should stand for a Talmud Chacham in a bathhouse or a bathroom. So the Gemara says, You only stand up in a way that respects them, but standing up in a bathroom is not respectful. So in those disrespectful places, one would not stand for a Talmud Chacham. Says Reb Velvel that according to the approach of the Rambam, this should only be a leniency for a regular Talmud Chacham, where the root of the obligation to stand is because of Hidur. But when it comes to the Rebbe Muvhak, where the obligation is based on Kavod and Mora, so according to the Rambam, that should continue to apply even in disrespectful places like a bathroom. And in fact, that is the indication of how the Rambam presents this, because the Rambam only mentions the whole leniency of not standing up in a bathroom in chapter 6 where he's discussing the obligation to honor every Talmud Chacham. But in chapter 5, where he's discussing the specific obligation to honor a Rebbe Muvak, there he omits the leniency of not standing up in the bathroom. So this reinforces again that according to the Rambam, there is a different level of obligation towards the Rebbe Muvak. The leniency of not rising in the bathroom only applies to regular Talmidei Chachamim, because there one has to show them hidur, respect, and that would not apply in a bathroom, but it does not apply to a Rebbe Muvak where the obligation is Kavod and Mora. So that applies even in a bathroom. It applies even at a further distance outside of Four Amos. None of those leniencies apply to the respect that one owes their Rebbe Muvak, which is rooted in Kavod and Mora, not Hidor. So this is Reb Velvel's approach to explain the Rambam and the two components of what's included in honoring Talmidei Chachamim and one's Rebbe Muvak. Now on the next page, Reb Velvel moves to apply these ideas to the case where the Rebbe's mochel, where he forgoes his honor. The Gemara in Kiddushin Lamed Beis says, Rabbi Yosef said, Afilu harav al kvodo, kvodo machol, that if the Rebbe is mochel on his kavod, so that works and the student does not need to honor him. So the Gemara asks from a story that Rava mashke behilula debrei, Rava was serving his students at his son's wedding, so he had obviously been mochel on his kavod to Rav Mari and Rav Pinchas, velo and they didn't stand up for him, and Rava got upset. So here we have an exact case where the Rebbe was mochel on his kavod, and still Rava was upset that his students didn't honor him, which seems 
seems to imply that even so it doesn't work and they should have honored him. So the Gemara answers no. In fact, the Mechila does work. The students do not need to honor the Rebbe. But But they should have respected him a little bit. So Rashi explains, They should have made some small action to show that they want to stand up for their great Rebbe. So the way Rashi understands this is that because Rava had forgiven his honor, there actually was no more halachic obligation for the students to honor him, but it would have still been respectful for them to act like they want to do something small. You can tell when someone wants to respect someone, even if they might not be able to. So in the same way, Rav Pinchas and Rav Mari should have moved themselves a little bit as if they're honoring Rava, even though they had no obligation because he had been mochel. And the same explanation is in the She'iltos Parshas Kedoshim. Even though there was no obligation to actually stand, but they should have moved themselves a little bit to show that they want to honor him. So Rashi and the She'iltos are introducing a new idea over here that even when there is no obligation whatsoever to stand for the Rebbe, it's still appropriate to do some small action to show that the student would have wanted to honor the Rebbe. But the Rambam seems to understand this whole answer of the Gemara totally differently. In Parakei Halachi Aleph, he writes, Even though the Rebbe was mochel, so there's no obligation of kavod, because the Rebbe is able to forgive that, but the student still has to do hidr. So the Rambam seems to be saying that there's an actual obligation of hidr even though the Rebbe was mochel, which is different than Rashi and the She'iltos, who say that there is no obligation over here. The student should just indicate that they honor the Rebbe, whereas according to the Rambam, there is an actual obligation of Hidur, even though the Rebbe was mochel. So the explanation for this, says Rav Velvel, is based on the whole approach he developed in the Rambam. The Rambam holds that when the Gemara says a Rebbe could be mochel, it only refers to the special mitzvah of kavod, which is obligated towards a Rebbe muvak. So that the Rebbe could be mochel, he could forgive the student's obligation, and the student, in fact, does not need to have kavod for the Rebbe anymore. But that mechila is not going to help for the hidr at all, because there's still the general mitzvah that a student has to honor any Talmud Chacham. And the Rebbe is included in that standard mitzvah, and there's no way out of that mitzvah. The Rebbe has no ability to forgive his student from performing the regular mitzvah of the Hadar that he has to honor any Talmud Chacham, which includes the Rebbe. And the reason is because kavod is an obligation towards the Rebbe. So if he wants to forgive that, it's his right Right to forgive that. But the mitzvah of the Hadartah Pnei Zakin is a mitzvah like every other mitzvah. A Rebbe can't tell his student not to do a regular mitzvah. He can't tell him not to eat in the sukkah or not to wear tefillin. So in the same way, he cannot tell him not to perform the mitzvah of Hidur, which is obligatory on the student like any other mitzvah. So that's exactly the distinction that the Rambam draws, that the Rebbe can only forgive and be mochel his own kavod, but not the mitzvah of Hidur. 
And Reb Velvel adds in the brackets that a careful reading of the language of the Rambam shows this exact distinction. Because when it comes to the obligation of Kavod and Mora, the Rambam says that a student is mechuyav lerabo. He's obligated to the Rebbe. In other words, it's an obligation that belongs to the Rebbe, so to speak. As opposed to when it comes to Hidor, the Rambam says that it's a mitzvah to honor every Talmud Chacham. So you see that it's a regular mitzvah. It's not an obligation that one person owes another person. It's a mitzvah and therefore it cannot be forgiven. So the obligation of Kavod to the Rebbe Muvak is a specific obligation which almost belongs to the Rebbe Muvak. The student owes it to him. So that's why forgiveness works as opposed to the mitzvah of the Hadarta to respect Talmidei Chachamim which does not belong to any one person. It's an obligation on a Jew to honor Talmidei Chachamim so that cannot be forgiven. So that's how the Rambam interprets the answer of the Gemara that even though Rava had forgiven the honor that was due to him so his students were not obligated in kavod or any of the obligations that result from that, but he could not forgive the hidur, they still were obligated to do any commandments of hidur, and that's why he was upset when they didn't stand up for him, because they were violating the obligation of hidur, which there was no way for Rava to forgive. So that's exactly the source for the ruling in the Rambam, that even if the Rebbe forgives his honor, which does work, but the student still has an obligation of hidur, because the Rebbe now reverts to being like any Talmud Chacham and the mitzvah of Hidur remains so the student still has to respect him in any of those obligations. And that's also why the Rambam specifies in the halacha that we began with that the Rebbe Muvhak could forgive any of these obligations. Kol hadvarim ha'elu. It's specifically the obligations that the Rambam discussed in chapter 5 which are special to a Rebbe Muvhak, those he's able to forgive. But the Rambam is stressing that he's not able to forgive the obligations in chapter 6, which are due to any Talmud Chacham. There, no one person has the right to forgive the student from being able to do it. So the Rambam is emphasizing that the whole concept of Mechila only applies to the obligations of chapter 5, which are special to the Rebbe Muvak, which come from the obligation of Kavod, but it does not apply to the obligations of chapter 6, which come from the obligation of Hidr. So now, return Turning to the original question, why does the Rambam only say that a Rebbe Muvhak could be Mochel? He doesn't mention any other Rebbe. So Rabbelvel explains based on all this, the reason is because the whole mitzvah of Kavod only applies to a Rebbe Muvhak. As the Rambam writes in Parakei Alachates, the Medvar Mamurin Berabo Muvhak Shlomad Maso. All these obligations only apply to a Rebbe Muvhak from whom he derived most of his learning. But if he didn't learn most of his Torah from this Rebbe, so we call that a Talmud Chaver, that he's somewhat of a colleague. In other words, it's not his primary Rebbe, it's a secondary Rebbe. Towards a secondary Rebbe, he's not obligated in Kavod. So if that's the case, that explains exactly why the Rambam limits the whole concept of Mechila only to a Rebbe Muvak, not to a secondary Rebbe, because the whole obligation of Kavod only applies to a Rebbe Muvak, and the whole concept of Mechila only applies to Kavod. But towards a secondary Rebbe, there is no obligation of Kavod. The only obligation is Hidur, and that cannot be forgiven because no one's able to forgive Hidur. So that's why the Rambam limits the whole concept of Mechila only to a Rebbe Muvak, but it would 
would not apply to a secondary Rebbe where the obligation is Hidur, so he cannot be Mochel in any way. So that is Rav Velvel's approach to explain the language of the Rambam. Now he points out that the Shulchan Arach in Yeridea Simen Reish Mem Dalit, Sif Dalit, writes that a Rebbe could be Mochel even the obligation of Hidur. So once the Rebbe is Mochel on his Kavod, it totally removes any obligation whatsoever, which is like Rashi and the Sheiltos, that there is no further obligation, even though the student should maybe show some honor to the Rebbe, but there is no obligation of Kavod or Hidur because the Rebbe is able to forgive all of that. So the approach of the Shulchan Arach is like Rashi, that the Rebbe could even be Mochel on the obligation of Hidur, and that follows how he explained the Rambam in the Kesef Mishnah, because the Kesef Mishnah was the one that said the Rambam holds not only a Rebbe Muvak, but any Rebbe could forgive the obligation. So even a regular Rebbe is able to forgive the obligation of Hidur. So based on the approach of the Kesef Mishnah, that Mechila works even for Hidur, so that's how he rules in the Shulchan Arach, that Mechila is able to remove any obligation. But says Rav Velvel, the way he's explaining the Rambam, differently from the Kesef Mishnah, so there's going to be a practical difference as well. The Rambam holds that only Kavod could be forgiven, not Hidur. So according to his approach, the practical rulings would be that the Rambam limits the whole concept of Mechila only to a Rebbe Muvak, not a secondary Rebbe. And even the Rebbe Muvak, who's Mochel, that only applies to the obligations of Kavod, but it does not apply to the obligations of Hidur. So there would be a practical distinction between how the Shulchan Arach reads the Rambam versus Reb Velvel's approach. But on a practical level, the Shulchan Arach does rule consistently with how he reads the Rambam, which follows the approach of Rashi and the Iltos, that one can be mochel, not only kavod, but also hidur, and that would apply not only to a Rebbe Muvak, but even to a regular Rebbe. So that's Rev Velvel's approach to make sense of the Rambam through a very careful reading of his language, and this very important distinction between kavod and mora versus hidur, that kavod and mora is modeled after honoring one's parents, so it includes more forms of honoring the Rebbe, but it's limited only to one's Rebbe Muvak, as opposed to Hidor, which applies more broadly to any Talmud Chacham, but it's more limited in what the person needs to do as a result of it. Now, very interestingly, the basic idea of Reb Velvel is already mentioned in the Pischei Tshuva, in his commentary on Yerodea, Simen Reish Mem Dalid, Sifkat and Gimel. So he discusses this issue of whether one is obligated to stand for their Rebbe Muvak in the bathroom. And he quotes that the Lechem Mishnah in Perak Vav Alecha says that the leniency of not standing in the bathroom applies not only to a regular Rebbe, but also to a Rebbe Muvak. But then he quotes that the Arba Ture Evan on the Rambam disagrees, and he says that the whole leniency of not standing in the bathroom is only Barabo She'eno Muvak o Bishar Chacham o Seva. That only applies to a regular Talmud Chacham or a secondary Rebbe or a regular elderly person. Aval Barabo Muvak Shu Mora, but because the Rebbe Muvak has Mora in addition to the regular obligation to honor him, so one would have to stand for a Rebbe Muvak even in the bathroom as well as a parent. So the Arba Ture Evan is saying something very similar to Reb Velvel that there's a basic difference between a Rebbe Muvak versus a secondary Rebbe or a regular Talmud Chacham that the Rebbe Muvak has this additional component of Mora. Now the Amek Bracha, which was written by one of Reb Velvel's main students, Reb Arya Pomeranchik. So he also quotes this distinction in 
a few places. In Hilchus Kavod Sefer Torah on page 43, he quotes it in the name of his Rebbe, Reb Velvel. And then he returns to it in Hilchus Derech Eretz Os Beis on page 64. And again in the Halachas of the Seder on Pesach Os Beis on page 75, he returns to it. So he's very into this distinction, but he formulates it a little bit differently than we have it in the printed Sefer. The Amic Bracha says that the difference between a Rebbe Muvhak and a regular Rebbe is that for a regular Rebbe, there's an obligation of Kavod, as opposed to a Rebbe Muvhak where there's an added obligation of Mora. That's also the formulation of the Pischei Tshuva. So whereas in Chidushim Aron Rizalevi he says that a Rebbe Muvak has Kavod and Mora and a regular Talmud Chacham has Hidur, those are the phrases that he uses, the formulation in the Emek Bracha is that a regular Rebbe has Kavod and a Rebbe Muvak has Mora. So that might just be a surface semantic issue or there might be something more substantive. Now the Emek Bracha asks an interesting question. The Shulchan Arach in Simen Tafayin Bey's Sift regarding the laws of the Seder, he says, Talmud lifnei rabo, ein afilo eno rabo muvhak. A student who has the Seder with their Rebbe does not need haseba, does not need to recline. Even if it's not the Rebbe muvhak, it's just a secondary Rebbe, they still don't recline. Now the Gemarim Psachim Kovches explains the reason a student does not recline at the Seder with their Rebbe is because they have to fear their Rebbe and it would not be fearful to be reclining in front of their Rebbe. So the Mekbracha asks, as we saw, the Rambam and Tosvos limit the obligation of Mora only to a Rebbe Muvhak, not to a secondary Rebbe. So why does the Shulchan Arach explicitly say that even if the student has the Seder with the secondary Rebbe, they would not recline when the obligation of Mora does not apply to a secondary Rebbe? That's the question that he asks. Now, in the piece from Reb Velvel, as we saw, the Kesef Mishnah and the Shulchan Arach minimize the differences between Rebbe Muvhak and a secondary Rebbe. So maybe this is part of that overall approach, but this is on a different point. So the Amik Bracha's question is a good one. Why does the Shulchan Arach seem to imply in the laws of the Seder that there's an obligation of Mora even towards a non-primary Rebbe? Now, one final point based on Rebbe Velvel's analysis, the Gemara and Kiddushin discusses four possible people who could be mochel on their kavod. So it says, ha'av shemachal al kvodo machol. If a father forgives his kavod, it works. If a rebbe forgives his kavod, so there there's a debate. Rav Chista says it does not work. Rav Yosef says it does work. And as we saw, the Rambam rules according to Rav Yosef that it would work. Then the Gemara quotes a debate regarding a nasi, the leader of the Jewish people, whether he could forgive his honor. And finally, the Gemara ends that Rav Ashi said, even according to the view that a Nasi, the leader of the Jews, could forgive his honor, but a Melech, the actual king of the Jews, cannot forgive his honor. Shenem Arsom Tasim Alecha Melech. The Torah says that you shall place a king over you. Shetehei a Maso Alecha. You must fear him. So there's a mitzvah of the Torah to fear the king. So therefore, he cannot forgive his honor. So this whole Gemara can be understood in light of Rav Velvel's analysis that the issue in each of these cases 
cases is whether the person owns their kavod or it's a mitzvah of the Torah. So with regard to a parent, it's clear that they own their kavod, therefore they could forgive it. When it comes to a Rebbe, there's a debate whether they own it or whether it's a mitzvah. So that's the debate as to whether they could forgive it. The same is true of the Nasi, the prince, that again, there's a debate whether he owns his kavod or not. So that's the issue, whether he could forgive it. And then the Gemara concludes that it's clear that the Melech does not own his kavod, so he cannot forgive it because it's a mitzvah of the Torah. And this last line even supports Rav Velvel's whole idea that when it's a mitzvah of the Torah, there's no way to forgive it because that's exactly what the Gemara says, that since the Torah commanded to fear the king, so there's no way for the king, as well-intentioned as he may be, to forgive that honor because it's a mitzvah of the Torah. It doesn't belong to him since the Torah commanded it, so the people must do it regardless of whether the king wants it or not. So this whole analysis that we've seen gives us a nice framework within which to interpret this whole discussion of the Gemara.